Well, Frederick Beekner, most of you know who he was. He just passed away in this last year, I think. Frederick Beekner reminds us that words, especially religious words, words that have to do with the depth of things, can make you new and make you understand in new ways. Don't you love it when you're reading a book or listening to someone preach or teach or share a story from their life and they choose just the right words and a fresh window to God opens up for you. Words matter. It might come from a well-known author like Beekner or Lewis or more contemporary Tish Harrison Warren or a lesser known source or one that's personally significant to you. It could be words that come directly from scripture familiar, but they come to life in a new way. Or it could be from observing the life of another person who God uses to set you on a different path, a new one. I remember an incident like that. Bill and I were headed to Arrowhead Springs in Southern California for a crew leadership retreat. You would have to guess how long ago that was, but I'm not going to tell you. Honestly, we felt we had sort of been tricked into going to this retreat. We were told that there were just three spaces left and a crew staff member had been praying that we would go. I was just recovering from several years of not following God. So I was a bit ambivalent about the whole thing anyway. And we felt pressured, so we went, chugging along in our VW bug. Bill was a new believer. He had taken me back to the church I hadn't been attending, and that was where I met Ginger. She radiated a hunger for God and a life with God that attracted me. Previously, I had thought praying a simple salvation prayer was all there was to being a Christian. I also didn't think I had anything more to learn, having been raised in a Christian home and gone to a Christian elementary school. I must know it all. But that weekend, I found out that there was more. There was a lot more. When we arrived at the retreat on Friday evening, we were taught the four spiritual laws. It's, it's a little pamphlet, uh, evangelistic pamphlet. And that was in preparation, we learned instantly, for sharing our faith on Huntington, at Huntington Beach State Park. And that made us both gulp. And then on Saturday morning, we were given a booklet called The Holy Spirit. We were to take that booklet and our Bibles out into the woods and spend two hours with God. That was a first for me. Those two hours were life-changing. I'd be glad to share more of the details of the story with you another time. As Beekner suggested, it was the words from that little booklet that gripped me that morning when I was alone with God. Words like Holy Spirit, thirst, invite, welcome, living water, fullness. They were familiar, but new somehow. My heart was stirred, and a longing for the Spirit's fullness began to grow in me. 
Though the words were ordinary, the timing was just right for the door of my soul to crack open just a little bit. Words do matter. That morning, that whole weekend really, I discovered that though I was a Christian, I hadn't given much thought to the Trinity and had given no thought at all to welcoming the Holy Spirit into my life. From that time until now, Ginger's life and those very common, ordinary words patched together have guided me into taking one step after another in deepening my spiritual life and transformation. When Father Kevin asked me to preach, he and Sarah told me that the words chosen this year to be the focus for our Lenten season at Savior were from Micah 6.8. That verse begins with these words, He, God, has shown us what is good. And that is what he did for me at that retreat. So that's why I start here. The Holy Spirit invited me through a couple of hours alone in the woods and a few words into a brand new way of living, a good way. And then I discovered from the Revised Common Lectionary that the gospel preaching text for tonight was from John 3, the Nicodemus passage, a very familiar encounter between a man who had a hunger for God and Jesus, God's son. In that seemingly private meeting, God met Nicodemus and showed him what was good. And that goodness was Jesus himself. How he interacted with people, changed their lives, and invited others to join him on the journey. So looking again at John 3, I began to wonder if Nicodemus may also have discovered that words matter and maybe also have taken away some life-changing words from his conversation with Jesus that night. As you well know, Nicodemus was a prominent Jewish leader, part of the Sanhedrin. And he approached Jesus in the darkness. You've heard it so many times, maybe because he was afraid of being seen with Jesus. Actually, this could have been kind of a fearful encounter for both Nicodemus and Jesus, who was living into his humanity and into his deity. Nicodemus was considering turning his back on the way he'd been raised religiously. And for Jesus, talk of hatred and threats among the Jewish leaders swirled about him as he boldly spoke the truth about himself. It's likely Nicodemus hadn't really had a chance to personally talk to Jesus before that night, though it's clear he had heard of him and had observed from a distance the signs and wonders and some of his teaching. And the more Nicodemus saw, it seems like the more a holy curiosity seemed to grow in him. So in the dark, Likely by the light of a fire, Nicodemus began his visit with some affirmation for Jesus, maybe a try at winning Jesus over. The message renders Nicodemus' words this way. Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God-pointing 
God-revealing acts you do if God weren't in on it. Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person is born again, born from above, it's not possible to see, let alone move into the kind of life I'm pointing to, the good way that God desires for each person to live. Jesus was introducing Nicodemus to a whole new world, a world where hierarchy gives way to goodness and kindness. Right living and truth-telling went out. Humility is displayed by a rabbi, so rare in the religious leadership. Think about our Philippians passage tonight. Thank you, Trudy, for reading that. Forgiveness is extended. Mercy and justice and healing are ways of life. Joy and peace are the norms, and love covers it all. Bigner summarizes the place of love in God's new world this way. Jesus said, I'm telling you, God's so in love with this world that he's sent me down. So if you don't believe your own eyes, then maybe you'll believe mine. Maybe you'll believe me. Maybe you won't come sneaking around, scared half to death in the dark anymore, but will come to, come clean, come to life. This new life was to be called the kingdom of God. It was the way to the life all of us long for. This conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus probably took place during the first year of Jesus' earthly ministry, and we have no hints as to the status of Nicodemus' soul at the end of the conversation. There are differences of opinion among theologians and church historians about whether at some point Nicodemus became a true believer. We can't really discern how John 3 ended, how closely he followed Jesus from this night on. Did he pray a prayer? Or was there simply a little turn in his heart? Or neither one? I'm going out on a limb to guess that, like in my story, Nicodemus may have taken with him that night a few of the words he'd heard Jesus in the John 3 conversation speak. Words like, born from above, water, spirit, believe, eternal life, wind of God. Perhaps he turned them over and over in his mind and in his heart, or maybe he held on to the words mentioning them in prayer, or asking others what they might mean. For words do matter. Many evangelicals tend to doubt Nicodemus' conversion because what we know of him is so sketchy. I remember as a kid, we celebrated people who could definitively name, definitively name the date of their salvation. Bill was in that league, me, not so much. But someone explained it to me this way when I was in college. It's like when you're driving from one state to another. You're on Highway 80 heading east. About five or ten miles into Indiana, you see a sign that says you are now in the state of Indiana. You actually had no idea exactly when you crossed the line. All you knew was that you were now in Indiana. This may have been Nicodemus' experience, a gradual movement toward the good way. 
holding a few words, kind of stumbling into the kingdom. Though we read no account of Nicodemus being born again in the way that many of us were taught to think about it, we do have some hints. The Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Anglican, and Lutheran churches venerate Nicodemus as a saint. That's a hint. Based mostly on what happened later as he seemed to continue to follow Jesus, yes, following him, but following from afar. We encounter Nicodemus again in John 7, perhaps about two or two and a half years after the John 3 conversation. He was celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. That was a once a year Jewish festival remembering the Jews' exodus from Egypt and the presence of the Lord that traveled with the Israelites in the tabernacle through the wilderness. And during this feast, the Pharisees, maybe instead of celebrating, were debating over who Jesus was. There was a marked difference of opinion among them, as you might imagine. And then on the final day of that feast, Jesus boldly stood, and as the high priest poured water from the pool of Siloam over the altar, Jesus proclaimed loudly, boldly, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Could it be that Nicodemus heard these words through the grid of his John 3 conversation and it all started to come together for him? It all came back. Believe, water, spirit, receive. Affirming and verifying the conversation he had had with Jesus in the darkness a couple of years before. We don't know, but some of the words are here, right? Nicodemus is there, and listen to what follows. Right after Jesus spoke of the living water of the Spirit, the religious leaders continued arguing over the authenticity of Jesus' claims to be the Messiah. Some even wanted to arrest him right on the spot. But suddenly, suddenly, this coward, this Nicodemus, steps up and advocates for a fair and just trial for Jesus. He asks the leaders, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? Nicodemus was living and acting out of the goodness and kindness he had seen in Jesus, his mercy and fairness and love. It was the goodness of Jesus' life that he had observed that set him free to live out Jesus' values as he spoke boldly to those leaders. The boldness he saw in Jesus freed him to speak in spite of the fear. Words matter. And then, shortly afterward, in the week of Jesus' crucifixion in John 19, Nicodemus again displayed the boldness, mercy, and humility he had seen in Jesus. He joined up with Joseph of Arimathea, possibly another secret disciple, who pled with Pilate to allow him to take Jesus' body and prepare it for burial. And Nicodemus, 
who had first come to Jesus by night, delayed, excuse me, first came to Jesus at night, came now in broad daylight, carrying spices, wrapping Jesus' body, and placing it in a tomb. He demonstrated the mercy and grace he had received, and in humility, he buried Jesus. It was a sign of his belief and the symbol of his gratitude for the life and love he'd received. Yes, I believe he became a true believer of Jesus. So when I realized the theme for Lent was, he has shown you what is good, and the rest of the verse goes this way, of course, and what the Lord requires is to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I remembered another incident in my life where words were important. It was about two years after the crew retreat when a couple in our Sunday school class invited some of us to have dinner with them on a World War II minesweeper. Do you know what that was? It's an, it was an old boat from the Second World War that had been converted, no pun intended, and now had enough space for 20 or so, so people to have a meal together. We signed up, Bill and me, and we went to this dinner. The people who hosted us that evening had a ministry of purchasing handmade goods from workers on the coast of Baja, California, and bringing them north to the United States, Baja, Mexico, excuse me, and bringing them north to the United States to sell so the people in need in Mexico could increase their standard of living. That night on the minesweeper, we were invited to purchase items, make donations, listen to a message from Matthew 25. That night, the man teaching pointed out that Jesus spoke these words. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Those were words I don't think I'd ever read or certainly never thought applied to me or spoke into my way of walking with God or of being fully Christian. The folks who were sharing their ministry showed me what was good, what God thought was good, through Matthew 25 and later Micah 6.8 opened up to me. And it took me years to realize just how essentially Christian they were. It was 15 years before I found a way to minister to prisoners, which I then did for nearly 40 years. Just as there were spiritual lessons Nicodemus needed to learn and justice lessons he needed to walk into, so there were for me. No matter where you are in your walk with God tonight, deepening spiritually, learning to do justice, and love mercy in your relationship with others. Here we are in the beginning of the second week of Lent, and I encourage each of us to listen for words 
that have to do, in Buechner's words, with the depth of things. For words that can make us new or make us understand in new ways. For words matter. Would God have anything to say to you or to me tonight? Just a word? A word that would show us more more clearly what is good? A word that would point us toward the good way? Words we might carry in these next weeks and into Holy Week. Words that could carry us into a new way of living our faith and guide us to the good way. I'm going to just take a moment to speak out a few words, some from Nicodemus's story, some from Matthew and Micah. Just listen and see if the Lord might emphasize one or two of these words for you. Holy Spirit, life, eternal life, the good way, invite, thirst, living water, justice, mercy, humility, or maybe there is a completely different word. Thank you, Lord, that words matter, that you can change us with a word. Amen.